Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Our speaker this morning, and were you here the opening Sunday? I believe so. So we started gathering about 500 feet from Andy's door at the uh, middle school. <laughs> he lives on Prince Edward Island. Liz still lives on Prince Edward Avenue. Avenue. I said Prince Edward Island. Uh, uh, never have the privilege to go there. <laughs> Let's look to the Lord in prayer before we get started. Father, once again, we thank you that we have the opportunity to come here and look into your word um, this morning to see what was written in the past and prayerfully to apply it in possibly in our own lives and make sure we don't go down that same path, Father. So as we Get into the word this morning, Father. Just guide and direct us in our thoughts and our hearts as we go through this. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, Those of you that know me, I may have mentioned this before, but uh, growing up through end of elementary school, middle school, high school, I almost never was without a book. (laughs) Bit of an avid reader. Um, started off mainly mysteries, but my taste tended to sci-fi and fantasy as I was going through high school. And whether that was good or bad for me, we'll see later on. <laughs> but it's what it, it's what it was. And so, um, just going through reading that, there were certain properties that caught my eye, caught my interest and what I was uh, really concentrated on. And recently, some of these properties have been either retranslated to television or movies or, you know, the new streaming services. But what has happened, okay, is that the new people that took over were not the original writers. Okay, and so rather than sticking to the stories that were, they started injecting their own thoughts and feelings. Okay, and this has done two things that I've noticed, and it's probably more than two. (laughs) One of them I'm just going to touch on briefly here, and then in the next section, and then uh, we'll get to this other one. One of the consequences of this has been Um, and I'm sure this has happened a lot through history, what would be the bad guys have been rewritten to either be good guys doing bad things or still bad guys, but they're doing the right thing in a bad way. Okay? We'll see what God thinks about that in a little bit, (laughs) in a minute. The other trend has been more disappointing, I guess you could say. I'm not completely in that world anymore, but I still keep tabs. And the other trend has been that these stories have been so politicized and so taken over by these, what I guess I would call bad ideas and bad thoughts, that they're no longer recognizable 
to those who were fans of these properties. I'm not going into specifics because I don't want to bring them up. Okay? But what has happened is those new writers so don't care about the old story. Okay? They care so little. They're so, and the word I'm going to use here is apathetic, about what has come before. Okay? That the new no longer is recognizable um, to what was to the stories before. This has caused something in the community. You've seen people who speak out against it, okay, and that's great. But what also happens, okay, because of this, is that the, the old fans are just becoming apathetic. They could care less about these new stories and even have begun to care less about the old. Now, where am I going with this? Would you open with me to uh, Malachi chapter 1? Malachi chapter 1. Okay. I'm going to start in verse, eight, verse 6. I'm going to read through verse 8, and then I'm going to skip down to 12, and we'll come back to 9 in a minute. Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my respect? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O priests who despise my name, but you say, how have we despised your name? You are presenting defiled food upon my altar, but you say, how have we defiled you? In that you say, the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? And then skipping down to verse 12, he kind of repeats himself here. But you are profaning it, and this is talking about his name here. But you are profaning it in that you say, The table of the Lord is defiled, and as for its fruit, its food is to be despised. You also say... My, how tiresome it is. And you disdainfully sniff at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring what was taken by robbery and what is lame or sick. So you bring the offering. Um, as lame or sick, so you bring the offering. Should I receive that from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it. But sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord, for I am a great king says the Lord of hosts, and my name is feared among the nations. I hope I'm not reading too much into this, but reading through what they're doing, it feels like the priests just don't care about God. They so don't care about God that they're willingly accepting defiled sacrifices from the Israelites. Okay? And offering them to God. Think that through. What must have happened to get to this point? Okay? To a point where the priests, the priests of God, do not care about what they're offering to the creator of the universe. Okay? Um... This is 
twofold that um, in that, uh, if I skip ahead to, ver- to chapter 2, verse 7, for the lips of a priest should preserve knowledge and men should seek instruction from his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. The priests at this time were God's messenger. Okay? They were supposed to be the leaders, especially when it pertained to matters of God, to the Israelites. Okay? And here you have those leaders, those ones who were supposed to preserve knowledge. So not caring about God and His Word and His instructions, that they willingly accepted defiled sacrifices, the lame, the blind, and offered them to God. And they did it, what was it? It was verse, um, verse 13. My, how tiresome it is. They were just tired of doing it. Whether they actively hated God, I don't know. But they were so apathetic, for lack of a better word, that they did this. Okay? And in fact, it got to the point so bad, jumping back to verse 9. Verse 9 of chapter 1, sorry. But now will you not entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us? With such an offering on your part, will he receive any of you kindly, says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates, that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense is going to be offered for, to my name, and a grain offering that is pure, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. God was so fed up with the priests. He would have rather they shut the doors to the temple. Close it up. Shut it down. Okay? Things had gotten so bad that no offering had become better than what was being given. And as I mentioned, these were the priests. Okay? As the priests went, the people followed. Okay, so if the priests don't care, well, then now the Israelites felt, hey, it's okay to bring whatever I have in my flock, whether it's sick or lame or blind. Okay, and I'm sure this was not an instantaneous thing. This happened over time. Okay, but as the priests went, the people followed. Okay, and... That's just, it boggles my mind to think that the priests of God could so care so little that they would do this. Now, I promised I'd get back to that one point, and that's uh, uh, it's just a side point. Malachi chapter 2, verse 17, you have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, how have we wearied him? In that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. And he delights in them. Or where is the God of justice? This is where it had gotten to. Good was being called bad. Bad good. You know? Like I said, this was just a side point. I picked it out because <laughs> was some of what I noticed. 
But this is a warning for us. And before I get to that, I got one more section. Because it didn't stop here with God's warning in Malachi. And let me tell you, you read through chapter 2, it's not pretty <laughs> what God's going to do. Okay? We're not going to get into that tonight, today, this afternoon. Wow. <laughs> this afternoon. Okay? Um, but part of what I did read, just did read, read um, before it, um, about the covenant with Levi. Okay? Uh, he was, Levi revered him. True instruction was in his mouth. Okay? But then you get down to verse 8, and they've turned aside. All right? And so God's made them despised before the people, which is the only way the people would have brought. If, they don't care, if the priests don't care about God, the people aren't going to care about the group of the priests, so they're going to bring whatever. Okay? And it didn't stop here, even with this warning. If we jump forward 400 years, and I just picked out one passage here, Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, and I'm not going to go through the whole story here, but this is one passage in which the priests um, and, and Pharisees tried to test Jesus. All right, I'll start reading in verse 42 just for a little context, but Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. But on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. Now, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they understood he was speaking about them. When they sought to seize him, they feared the people because they considered him to be a prophet. Think that through, okay? The chief priests, if somebody came claiming to be the Messiah, they weren't supposed to test him, they were supposed to examine him. That was the first problem, <laughs> okay? But they didn't do that, okay? They simply sought to prove him wrong, is all they were trying to do through all these tests. Just, you know... Not looking into what he was saying, not listening to what he was saying, really. Okay? They could have cared less. Okay? That the Messiah was amongst them. Amongst them. Okay? In fact, they feared the people. The priests of God feared the people. That is not the right way around. Okay? I'm not saying the people should have been afraid of the priests. <laughs> but in no way should the priests of God been afraid of the people. Okay? They had lost their focus on God. Okay? Once again, you have the priesthood, you have the Pharisees, I'm sure the Sadducees and all the others. Okay? If we were to go through this completely. These men... <coughs> For one reason or another, okay, whether it be in here, probably political power. They so wanted to hold on to that political power, okay, that they were afraid to do what they thought was right, <laughs> which would have been to seize him, okay? 
Now, there had been no evidence, nothing to convict him on. They did not, you know, and I'm fairly certain God would not have allowed it. <laughs> God had a plan. But the priests here, okay, had so lost sight and focus and a passion for God that they were following what the people did rather than what God said. When you think, you know, you think it through. Um, like I say, I hope I'm not reading too much into this. <laughs> but, you know, and even when it comes to, um, I didn't pull this up as a passage, but if you think it through, Christ's trial and him being handed over to Pilate. That's not what you were supposed to do with somebody that claimed to be the Messiah. You don't hand him over to the governor that is not Jew of the Jewish faith. Okay, it's supposed to be handled in-house. It's a spiritual matter, dealt with the, the Jewish religion, should have been handled completely by the priests. Instead, seeking political power, not caring about God's laws, God's thoughts. Now, I'm sure, like I said before, God had a plan and a purpose. <laughs> okay? But part of it was the fact that the chief priests and the Pharisees, they wanted that political power. And so to appease the governor, or attempt to appease the governor, let's put it that way, they handed him off to to Pilate and they they told him, he's trying to uh, riot against Caesar or, or, you know, go against Caesar. Doesn't want to pay taxes. You know, made up stuff. (laughs) But they cared so little about God that they just threw his instructions and his rules out the door. Unless you think that's just the Jews. <laughs> Revelation chapter 3. Uh, those of you that have done studies in Revelation know exactly where I'm going. <laughs> Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, says this, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and eye salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I will come in to him and will dine with him, and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The church of Laodicea. So apathetic, God had to warn them. (laughs) He had to call them out on it. And then just call them out then. This has come down to us. 
Okay? And it's a warning for us. The instruction, you know, what's, what happened in Malachi? You know, as what we see the, the priest doing while Christ was here on earth. Like I said, I just picked one from there. But I could have picked any number of passages there. And then here in this church in Laodicea, they're neither cold nor hot. They just didn't care anymore. That, to me, is almost scarier than actively going against God. When you just don't care. Okay? If somebody is actively arguing against God, you can come up to them, you can talk to them, you're going to have a conversation, and maybe you can bring them around. But if you come up to somebody who just doesn't care, how do you start that conversation? How do you get into that with them? They're not going to argue back. They're going to walk away. They're just not going to care. And the problem is, we are God's current representation here on earth. Okay? First uh, Peter 4, 7 through 11. Don't think we quite have time to read it today. But if you look through there, we have taken over the role. The church has taken over the role as God's representation here on earth. And what happens if we're apathetic? What happens if we just don't care about spreading the gospel, following what God has asked us to do? As we go, the rest of the world goes. And that's disappointing to God. (laughs) And to be honest, that's one thing I don't want to have to face God and say, I'm sorry I was a disappointment when he comes back. That scares me more than, (laughs) you know, almost anything else I can think of. All right. But we see it today, don't we? Um, I was just talking to Billy briefly. Uh, Daniel and Kelly, my brother and his wife, they used to go. They were sitting in there one morning. Okay. uh, One Sunday morning. The preacher was preaching. I think they said not a single scripture was read that morning in the church. That's not good. If you go a whole Sunday morning church service and not a single scripture is read, what's the rest of your week like? (laughs) Okay. You're obviously, your your preacher is not in the word, studying. Because you can't, I don't know about any of the rest of you that come up here and, and speak. But I know, me personally, I cannot come up here and speak unless I've got something from here to speak about. Because this goes back to what I was talking about with those new writers writing on those properties. If we're putting our own message and not going back to God's, it's worthless. It's absolute, it's just trash. There's nothing to it. Okay? So, back to, I had 
the brother read from First Peter. Let's go back to First Peter to end this off. Because like I say, I don't want it to be my words ending this. I want it to be God's. And there, right at the end of the passage that he read, um, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in, your, in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. We need to maintain our focus on God. Not just in our minds, but in our hearts. Consistently from day to day, your passion should be for God and for Christ. Be honest, it's not easy at times, I'm sure. There's many distractions. But if your heart and your mind is not on God, then you can't relay the message and the actions that he's asked you to do. And if you're not doing that, what good are you? You've gotten to the point where you could care less about God. And brothers and sisters, like I say, that scares me. I don't want that to be me. Not caring about what the God of the universe, the, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for here? The Savior. I'll just go simple. Not caring what the Savior, the one who came and died for you, not caring about what he's asked you to do. That's sobering. And it's something we need to guard against. Okay? Active guarding, not passive. Because as soon as it becomes passive, you slip into that apathy. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for these examples that you have given in your word. And these instructions on how not to become apathetic to you. Father, I pray that each and every person here um, will take to heart and hold you precious in their hearts, in their minds, um, so that we can continue to be your messengers here on this world. And Father, as we, as we do that, we ask that you would just Encourage each of us, strengthen each of us, and first and foremost, allow us to come across those who have never heard your word so that we might bring them to Christ. Because, Father, we know, as was mentioned last week, you're coming back soon. And we want just as many people as possible to come to trust in Christ so that they can join us there in heaven rather than going to a non-existence existence, painful and horrible end for those that don't believe. Father, we, you know, don't know. <laughs> uh, as we've come here this morning, each of us has brought a little something, you know, uh, whether it be the first meeting or um, 
Second, we thank you that so far, here in our little assembly, we don't, we don't see this yet. We don't see this apathy yet, and we pray that we can continue on for you in all that we do. In your name we pray, Father. Amen.